Hello, everyone. You can buy them with your credit card or crypto. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Oh, man. Are all those new recent? Is he back on the on the circuit? Yeah, well, this is Hello, everyone. from the you can buy them NFT stuff. That's from, exactly. Right. Was, I mean, you saw all the like wiped out watermarks and yeah, like somebody just typed in like tuxedo. Yeah. And then just put his head mm-hmm. where the head was. I mean, it doesn't seem to be any more of a scam than any other NFT. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's probably a little less, like, I don't even know what you would call it, but, like, the veil's probably a little bit thinner than on a board ape or whatever. But, yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> it's just saran wrap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See right through. Um, yeah, I saw a video today talking about how, like, whoever did it to, like, did the thing that you and I suspected when, you know, NFTs were first coming out, which is like, they just held back the most expensive ones. They, they released everyone except the most expensive and mm-hmm. then just sold the most expensive once, you know, the initial value of any NFT always starts high. Yeah. So. Well, and they sold out right away. Right. Right. But, so. but I think. I'm not going to verify this. Who cares? But our friend sent us a screenshot of one of his things going oh, for like right. 15 Ethereum. Mm-hmm. That one, based on my piecemeal knowledge, that one is the product of somebody within like like one of the creators of it holding that one back, waiting for everything to get sold mm. out and then selling that one at a premium because yeah. it was the the most rare right? well the guy that did the artwork is like a known quantity he's like a known guy i mean the guy who googled tuxedo right and that's part of why it's such a big deal because well the the one that sold for that like 15 ethereum was the only one that was signed by him mm. and it's one of one and again, my understanding is that was purposefully held back. That was not released to the public. And only when everything was sold out was it then sold. Yeah. John McNaughton. He must be proud. What if you said Thomas Kincaid? <laughs> American artist. The master of light. It's oh, apparently he's done a bunch of Trump stuff. John McNaughton is an American... They couldn't get Ben Garrison? ...artist and Republican far-right activist. He is known for his paintings depicting American conservative political figures, in particular prominent Republicans and Christian imagery. There you go. You know... From Utah. Big surprise. Yeah, you know he's got some, like, whether they're on the black market or just under, like, in a vault in his house, he's got some, like, dirty pictures that he's drawn oh that yeah oh yeah of course um um okay so bye bye bye
Bye bye. Almost too much has happened to cover anything other than the show. And yeah. this is why podcasting is easy. You know, if <laughs> yeah. you get a little sick and we have a little scheduling issue, you just don't. Yeah, podcast. I was going to say there's nothing I think more on brand for us than to successfully get through a whole record season. every episode on time. And then just inexplicably disappear for the finale <laughs> of all episodes. <laughs> and, you know, I shouldn't say this probably, but I've kind of forgotten a lot. <laughs> it's been a, two weeks. I definitely don't have the passion that I had after watching it. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm still ready to go. Okay, well, let's do it then. You just want to get right into it? Um, yeah, I guess I guess we can. Do we want it? We haven't talked about it, but I feel like having just come off a two-week break, is this mm-hmm. like week and a half, two-week break? Yeah. Should we just say, like, this is it for this is it for this year? Sure, that's fine with me. Right? Like, <clears throat> I'm off pretty much. You don't have to ask me twice. From, you know that. <laughs> from now until... Like January, mm-hmm. and I just feel like it's gonna be a lot of family. Yeah. I'm down to do it. I, you know, this is one of those things. Yeah, that keeps me sane. Sure. Yeah, I don't so. care. I mean, like I said before, our schedule is not changing because we don't have. I can't believe. Tell any me time your, off. your work schedule again. This is so crazy to me. Well, we have. I, I think Julia might be taking off Thursday and Friday of this week. And then I get off Monday because that's the day after Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then I get off Monday of the f- following week because that's For the New day Year's. after New Year's. So, so it's day after Christmas and then Tuesday you're back at it. Yeah. Answering tickets. Yep. And then my boss gave me a Gave us additionally Tuesday off and Friday off. So next week I'm only working Wednesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I keep like that's how they placate me and my job. I just have more time than I could ever use. But you but you make more than me. Um Speaking of tickets, uh, you mean like time off that like hours that you can use? Yeah, oh yeah, like I've I've I cannot use them. Yeah, see that's ha- uh, Julia's kind of dealing with this a little bit at, at her work, where people are like, get it's, her on it's the end of year, so people are like, oh, I've got to burn my hours or else mm-hmm. I lose it, right? Mm-hmm. And one of her employees is sitting on like a hundred hours of leave or something, which. Maybe it's because of working for the city, you are actively, not even actively discouraged. You are not even sort of vaguely told you will be punished if you use your leave. If you if you take too much time off, you will get in you trouble. Get fired. So I always look at my leave as like, I always feel like I'm right on the, on the edge, like I, I kind of want to be careful with it. I have like 150 hours, mm-hmm. and to me, I might as well have like eight hours of leave. Exactly. I'm, I, I look at that and I think if I miss one day, I'm going to completely screw up my 
pool of leave time. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I felt that too. My feeling is kind of this year has been different and we've been trying to figure out why, but like my job is not slowed down. Yeah, so mine mine hasn't oh, either. Yeah. For like the last two months, especially, like especially since Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. it's just been a crazy push. Yeah. And this week has been the first week that I've actually gotten a little bit of breathing room. Mm-hmm. And normally what I would say is I'll work the week before Christmas because no one's there. Mm-hmm. And I could take that day off or I could just bank the hours going to work and have a lighter day, yeah. you know, or work from home, right. especially during COVID. It was like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll keep my email open, especially during the low, low periods. What, what does time off mean? Yeah. But I feel like it's better for me to use it. The other thing that I'll say is when, when things get really hectic, taking time off feels bad. You get one day, oh, but then see. you walk in, and then it's just 80 emails. And when like, oh, I God. take time off, I want it to get hectic as, like, revenge. Cause I, on yourself? On, no, on my on oh. the other part of my team. No, no, it just comes back on me, though. Yeah, I, I guess. You know, I, but, I wish, yeah, yeah, if I went and people were like, oh, my God, thank God you're back. I'm like, yeah, I'm back, guys. No, instead, yeah. it's like... Hey, Keith, how was your day? It's like, great. And then I open up my inbox. I'm like, this sucks. Yeah. Part of my problem is that uh, my thinking is the same as as yours, where uh, traditionally, I guess you would say, like how, this time, how tra- sure it's you, not the right word. It's not the right word. Tradi- I can't wait to hear what comes But back. this is, this time of year is when it would slow down. Historically? Historically, yeah. Whatever you want to say. Um, historically as well uh this is the time of year where where it would slow down so it's like yeah i don't want to take time off because what am i taking time off for i'm not going to be doing anything anyways you know what i mean because i it's not i don't have to go into work i work you're pretty busy (laughs) before i came yeah so so that is my thing but like i said it's been super busy and even today it's tuesday I had a fair amount of work yesterday, but today it's like slower in the morning. I'm thinking, finally, everyone's going home for Christmas. It's like, let's chill out, guys. It's the end of the year. No one wants to do anything. Just stop. Sure enough, I get like three, four tickets in a row. And it's just like, come on, just go home. You don't you don't want to work on this. I don't want to work on this. Yeah, especially midweek. Yeah. You know, yeah, you're thinking like, I mean, I can't imagine Wednesday. Right. That, that people are like, I got I got so much to do today. Well, the other problem we we run into, too, is that the, the, the sort of stereotypical time to perform any sort of update or upgrade or whatever to a system is when no one's in the office, mm-hmm. right? So that means the day before Christmas, everyone's trying to update their server or whatever, and they run into an issue, and then they come to us. It's like, well, great. Uh, and so you kind of want to be like, why are you doing this right now? <laughs> we Tomorrow is like a holiday, but at the same time, that's when you do it. Uh, and then the other issue I have, though, is to me, maybe this is just like a placebo thing. It always feels like when I do take off, 
completely dead. Nothing comes in. Mm-hmm, you and then uh-huh. when my coworker takes off, I get 10 tickets in a day. And it's like, yeah, of course, because he took off and now I have to take everything no matter what. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that also is kind of like, I'm really hesitant about ever taking time off because of that. And then when I do take time off, I just end up working anyways because I'm just at home. I'm still at home. Mm-hmm. I work from home. If I take off, I'm still just at the house, not doing anything. So if I get an email on one of my tickets, I just go take a look at it. You got a, a pretty good list of films waiting to be watched from well, a friend of yours. We um we watched 25th Hour. That wasn't on my list. <laughs> I know, but... Uh, <laughs> Congratulations. Okay, how does that affect my life? Um, we watched... We've got an hour left of Sisters Brothers. I really liked it. We have an hour left. So uh, uh, it's got an hour to sort of turn the ship around. Not turn the ship around. It's got an hour to sort of course correct a little bit i was really impressed i i had no expectations for that film yeah see i guess that might be the difference because i wanted to be really impressed i liked the cast and i liked sort of the premise and sort of like the energy i got from the trailer i guess Mm -hmm. but i don't know it seemed a little a lot weirder a little bland up to this point Mm. okay um yeah, I think that's all we've watched. I don't know why you got excited to tell me that. You, you well, 25th Hour, we were just talking about the other day. Yeah, that, that you watched. We watched it in college. We watched it right. a few times. It's fantastic. It's not fantastic. It's it's fine. It's good. It, does not, it doesn't hold up as well as it did in college. I can say that much. And I, what I think is actually interesting about it is I, I wonder if it's because, like, the the level of storytelling in movies has like evolved so much. Whereas like there's stuff that that movie does. That's like feels a little, especially the end, a little like amateurish Mm. when it's doing the whole like daydreaming thing. You know what I mean? Okay. I'll watch again. I do feel watching films with indie Mm -hmm. just something is, something big has happened Mm. but watching films of my youth with him just completely exposed them as like you like that and it's like yeah i like that it's amazing chill out don't watch well i mean it's fine no 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 i i the thing is i agree yeah like looking back some of the films that i valued the most Mm -hmm. watching now i'm like oh yeah it's like amateurish is a good word yeah Whereas now you can see the the level that I feel like modern filmmakers need to hit to appease audiences right. is so much higher. Whereas back in the day, you just had to have like a set with some blinking lights and have a charismatic person walk through it and make a comment. Yeah. And it's like, cut, we got it, great. And, and we loved it mm-hmm. as a kid. Or like Jurassic Park, I never saw dinosaurs mm-hmm. before well i think jurassic park is still pretty i great. think it, i think it's great too but what i'm saying is i was blown away because of the dinosaurs now yeah that's true indy sees that that level of 
of CGI on like Doritos commercials. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you and it just has flip-flopped everything. The other thing is I don't think younger kids watch movies. I don't think movies are like a current a, a cultural currency. Yeah, they don't watch it unless it's on TikTok, right? That's what I'm saying. I can't have a conversation with the younger people at my work about films. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's Jaws or a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can talk to them about the backrooms. Mm-hmm. Do you know about the backrooms? No. It's all like internet TikTok lore, and it's just a, a piece of internet lore that gets kind of passed around. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a piece of it. No one has a full understanding of what it is. It's it's like playing telephone, right? Uh, yeah, okay. You mean like creepy pasta stuff? Or well, well that yeah, in backrooms, I don't know. Again, I don't know the origin of backrooms, but yeah. it's like, yeah, there's a there's a reality underneath ours, and you can kind of like oh, okay. fall into it yeah, and access yeah. the backrooms. And mm-hmm. somebody made a YouTube video. I was actually gonna send it to you one day, just to be like, mm-hmm. we like I I think it's an interesting storytelling method. And I think it is like five minute episodes, but mm-hmm. there's like fifteen of them. Because that's how people, wa- they don't watch that right. all in one yeah. go. They just watch a little clip here and there. They Or like with Indy, he'll watch other people talk about stuff. I had to sit down and have like a, like a fatherly conversation with him because what was it? We were, we put something on and he was like, oh, this is like a squid game. Mm-hmm. And then he like spoiled the end of squid game. Yeah. And I I know that he did not watch Squid Game. I know <laughs> right. that he could not, I don't have a problem with him even trying to watch it. Yeah. I just know that he did not watch it. Yeah. I looked at him. I was like, Indy. He was like, oh, oh. He's like, I didn't watch it. I watched it. I was like, I know you watched it. You watched an explainer yeah. on Squid Game. It's a great show. Why are you watching explainers of yeah. great shows? Just watch the show. Just watch the show. Yeah. And and that just like doesn't it and trying to talk to him too where I feel like modern viewers feel like they need to solve everything. I didn't mm-hmm. know how to articulate it to him, but I'm like every time I hear like he'll show me a video or when I hear him engage something, I feel like it's kind of a adversarial mm-hmm. nature where and I saw this on Twitter. Somebody was like, they teach a media literacy class or whatever. And they're like, it's difficult to get people to not view media, cinema, TV, whatever narratives as something to be solved and something to explore how the story is being told. Mm-hmm. The, the solution is not as interesting as the problem. And he was talking about how challenging it is to get people to like understand it from that perspective because yeah what i can just watch a youtube video of a guy being like let me just tell you why squid game is the best show of the last 10 years yeah and then i watch it go, oh yeah that that was pretty convincing yeah okay i don't need to watch a show yeah i mean i get the temptation that's this it's that's don't that's like the same reason why i listened to um i guess not the exclusively the reason i listened to it but but one of the th- 
something I was getting out of that min-max end-of-year discussion was hearing them talk about uh, sort of like explaining all the different games they played. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm, I'm not ever going to play all of those games. Oh, yeah, all their spoilers? Mm-hmm. I didn't care about one. I'm like, yeah, spoil it. Tell, yeah. me, the, tell me God of War spoilers. Yeah. Tell me all that, yeah. Um, the, I, I just briefly want to touch on this, and this would be something that I don't know that I want to think any more about it, mm-hmm. but I do want to go on record saying kind of goes back to that same mentality of like wanting to know the answers to things without worrying about the problem. Mm-hmm. You just quickly want to get to the end, especially because there's so much more after that. If I get through this show, there's 10 more shows waiting for me. Mm-hmm. So the the push is for me to finish stuff so I can get to the boatload of other things beyond it, whether it's games or books or whatever. And on a, on a quick side tangent, watching Indy slowly play through Red Dead Redemption 2 has mm-hmm. been like really exciting and interesting for me to watch him in a game that forces you to slow down, like mm-hmm. I tried to tell him, I was like, Indy, I just want to prepare you because the whole first 30 minutes, you're just riding through snow. Riding a horse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, that's it. Don't expect any. You're going to shoot wolves once. Yeah. And that's it. And it's going to feel terrible because the controls are terrible. <laughs> well, yeah, he almost shot his horse once. Already. Yeah. But he's stuck with it. And he just plays it every day. He just looks forward to it. He loves the world. Now he's in the the cities. Mm -hmm. And again, the way that the, that the story is paced, it makes you feel like you understand what it would feel like to walk into a city. If you grew up on the range, Mm -hmm. right. Or like an outlaw or whatever. Anyway, that's slowing him down. That's great. The thing that I'm most apocalyptic about today, Mm -hmm. and I've been apocalyptic about for a few weeks, is the AI shit. AI learning, Mm -hmm. chatbots, all that. But the implication and hearing, I think the thing that freaks me out the most is hearing the people who are, designing this stuff and working on it hearing them talk about it Mm -hmm. where one defense i heard when someone was talking about like oh they're saying this is a disruption and it's going to disrupt all these industries and especially education which is the one i work in right Mm -hmm. and their their reply was no it won't this is like the invention of the calculator i'm like no this is not like the invention of the calculator Mm -hmm. With the calculator, I still need to input the problem. Right. If I don't know what to input, I don't know how to get the answer. Yeah, it's useless. <coughs> and the calculator is an enhancement of my knowledge. With the AI chat stuff and AI learning stuff is a replacement for my learning. I don't need to know the problem because mm-hmm. I can give it a prompt and say, Write a three-page paper on The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. Mm -hmm. Okay, make it smarter. Okay, make it APA format. Mm -hmm. And then turn it in. You know? Yeah. And 
another solution that I heard somebody say, because it's coming up in, in higher ed. Um, we, we actually got like an official communication about it, which surprise, surprise was glowing. Hey, the AI is coming. Get ready. This mm-hmm. is, but in the, the article that I read, the solution is going to be, well, all these AI chatbots are going to keep record of what they've created so you can search for plagiarism. Right. Now, listen, it's going to take 10 years. <laughs> yeah. But in 10 years, and then one of the things that was floated out is like, you know, people won't do it because they could have their whole degree revoked. Yeah. You're not coming for any professional 10 years later to revoke their career, you know, their, their yeah. degree. Because they once plagiarize something. Working in NASA or working in the government. Or again, the only people you'd go after are the ones who are too poor to like fight it, mm-hmm. you know? So, no, that's not, that's stupid. That's the threat you could lose. Your, no one cares. Mm-hmm. They're going to do it. Change a few things here and there, whatever else. But if if I could just get the answer for stuff, I I would. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I? If I could just get something to write my book reports for me, hell yeah, I'd do it. Yeah. You know? And I'm somebody who like wants my son to read and learn and mm-hmm. and the other thing, I don't know if this is true for your girls, but Indy is a horrific speller. Yeah. Um I think Charlotte probably still struggles with that. I don't think Sophia does. Indy reads well, but he yeah. can't spell anything. <laughs> he's never had to. Right. It's predictive text. They don't quiz him in school. He doesn't do spelling bees and stuff like that. Yeah. <coughs> so for him, once he takes something off the plate that he needs to learn, why would he go learn it? Mm-hmm. How can I push him to <clears throat> work on his spelling? What's the benefit? His, yeah. his society is not going to be already I rely on predictive text. Yeah, your phone fixes everything you write. And it sucks. In 10 years, it's going to be better with AI. It's going to be better. Yeah, it's going to be like real time. <laughs> it's going to be real time. It's going to be predicting like it, it will probably be able to predict. It's not going to let you misspell things. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you want this to be professional or do you want this to be colloquial? Yeah. You know, I can change my, 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 and I'm sorry, but like teachers, why, why especially for online classes, why mm. would you need a human person? monitoring a class we can shove a 24 7 you know ai bot Mm -hmm. that will respond to students in real time and has ai it's not it's you know it's not the chat bots that you and i know this is like a whole new advancement a calculator that like responds (laughs) in real time with your questions yeah yeah last thing i'll say about it for any industry, especially education, are you telling me that people are not going to go for what affects the bottom line? If you could pay, you know, thousands of dollars for a chatbot function or thousands of dollars for human professors, wouldn't you just do the chatbot? Yeah. So I think I think that's it, man. I think that's gonna 
it's going to take out a huge swath of i think it's going to i think it's going to impact across the board and i think it's going to massively reshape industries yeah and jobs and specialties you know you're going to mm-hmm. have to specialize so specifically now yeah well and that was the thing too when this conversation came up a couple years ago i think is that all of the ai stuff the the stuff that that ai and like uh robots have a hard time with is not like the super complicated stuff like writing code it's with cutting the grass mm-hmm. like trimming a tree something right. like that you know what I mean? not breaking a kid's finger when you're playing chess <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so yeah i don't know I, I guess when it comes to stuff like that like the same thing with climate stuff maybe it's just what i it's just like a um defense mechanism but my i always kind of default to like yeah somebody will figure it out before it gets really bad <laughs> yeah i again i I think I I talked to Indy about this because he was asking about, like, you know, the world and the future and all that. But I had to be like, you know, legitimately people thought Elon Musk was going to save us. Mm -hmm. And look at Elon Musk. (laughs) We're screwed. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, there's no savior coming for us. I think that the problem is is bigger, you know, than than we're than our systems are able to handle. Yeah. I think that's it, man. Yeah. You know? And and where are we giving our time to? Like AI bot learning, because now that's gonna save us. Okay, humans can't save us. AI can. Mm-hmm. No, it can't. Like, you know what I mean? It's not like like you said, it it's gonna <clears throat> I just feel like watch a movie, watch pick a science fiction movie at random, mm-hmm. you know, engineer, computer engineers, whoever's working on this mm-hmm. and watch it yeah. and tell me that you're not on the bad side. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I mean, like, I don't understand how yeah. you're not. You're the, the bad, bad guy. Yeah. You're the bad guy. <laughs> you're the one telling me like, oh no, this is going to save us. Right. Yeah. That's what everybody said in all the movies. You yeah. know what I mean? And it and it won't. It can't, you know? But um yeah, man. I don't know. Ugh. Yeah, I think we're screwed. There's one more thing that you were talking about that I wanted to say, but let's let's jump into the episode. Okay. Um so we've got the finale of White Lotus. It was called Arriva Derche. What was it called? Arriva Derche. Uh, what'd you think um i loved it Uh um a few things that stand out that i loved about it i love and i think i felt like mike white wrote it this way maybe maybe he didn't i feel like there was like a clear closing of the chapters of everyone's story that was not going to die I felt like it was like clear, like this character, fine, good, mm-hmm. done. You're they're, they're gonna they're not gonna die until you are left with uh, Tanya and Portia. 
Mm-hmm. And the way that he structured the episode to just kind of resolve, resolve, resolve all the other people before shifting the focus on those two, it was I I just found it so clever because I felt like I felt like it was a knowing wink, again written in a way to make me, as the viewer, like see him closing the chapters mm-hmm. of all these characters. So I love the structure of the. Uh, of the episode like he didn't do the thing that some episodes do or shows where they just leave everything open-ended until the very end Mm -hmm. right like you crescendo everybody's story till when everyone's in danger and you don't know who's gonna die Mm -hmm. in this you knew 15 minutes before the end who was in danger the only question was is tanya and portia gonna die or only one of them Mm -hmm. you know so I love that. Um, and I, I'm i really interested to hear your your take on Tanya's death because I know you were of the opinion that, like, Tanya was bulletproof. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought she had a, a fitting end. I loved how, how she died. Yeah. So... Yeah, really liked it, and I have a theory. I'll say for the end that I'll throw your way. Okay. Remind me of it, or else I probably will forget. Uh, yeah i I thought the um the the finale for me was kind of spoiled because uh, I feel like the um, Ethan and Harper resolve was it left a weird taste in my mouth. Um, and that kind of, uh, I think, uh, tainted how I felt about the episode as a whole. That I, might be my theory. Yeah. My theory I, might be addressing that. I, th- I thought, um, <laughs> I liked everything else about it, mm-hmm. but I did not love how their story, I liked how their story sh- structurally where it went, mm-hmm. but It ended up fe- like <clears throat> you would think. So um, Ethan and Harper essentially become Daphne and Cameron, mm-hmm. right? The the thing that they as were mocking at the beginning of the season, which sounds uh, depressing. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a condemnation. Mm-hmm. It does not get treated that way in the show. It, it, to me, it felt like it was like uh, this is having marital troubles. Sleep around. You know what I mean. My theory is, and I could be wrong. My theory is Mike White is one of the most pessimistic people when it comes to. <clears throat> His view on relationships. Yeah. Looking at this show, I do think that there's a mistake that's that's made that I don't want to make, which is relating the author to the, like, making a one-to-one comparison to the themes of the show or the characters and being like, well, this is Scorsese. This mm-hmm. is Tarantino. You know, it's like, no, it's not, it's not them, right? It's a story. They're, they're telling a story. 
like maybe there's a point to reflect on you know thematic similarities between projects but i don't want to be somebody who looks at one project and goes well this is how this person thinks about this Mm -hmm. and um so i i don't mean to say that as mike white himself has a very negative pessimistic view of relationships but i got to the end of this with that same weird feeling about everything i was like i think every relationship is bad (laughs) right (laughs) any good feeling that you had is mike white being like yeah you shouldn't feel good about that yeah the whole premise is flawed the whole idea of the whole thing of being with the same person for 30 years no 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 the whole premise of these rich couples at this location at the oh, Lotus. I see what you're saying. It's all flawed from the beginning. Yeah. There is no redemption for these characters. They're all awful. They're not going to get to a place of personal or relational happiness. Mm-hmm. That they, in whether it's money or whether it's them themselves, if you can piece together based on what Mike White put in the show, they all deserve the relationships that they end up with. Tanya deserves to die because yeah. she has every ability to save herself at the end, but she has been so removed from <clears throat> resolving her own conflicts and problems mm-hmm. that she cannot think, how do I get from this height to that <laughs> boat? And the, the idea of using stairs, using the ladder, <laughs> using the ladder, it never occurs to her. She yeah. deserves to drown in that scenario, not because, like, not for any other reason than her life didn't prepare her for that. Yeah. And so all these characters from the beginning, they are not prepared to have solid relationships. I don't think Mike White is saying that about every relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's proved in just... Yeah, like any one of us could be like, I know people are perfectly happy who've lived together for 60 years. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So I don't think he's saying that, but I think he's saying in this story, these are doomed characters. You don't want them to be redeemed. They don't deserve to be redeemed. They're bad characters. And yeah, they're going to end up and be like, like, yeah, are Ethan and Harper in a good relationship at the end? No. No. Right. They're in a terrible relationship. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't get that feeling about them at the beginning of the season, though. But, again, like, what we were saying at the beginning was feeling like Cameron and... Um, Daphne. Daphne were, in some ways, leading them on. So, they seemed to have money. Mm-hmm. Cameron and Daphne seemed to have money. But they were definitely playing the role, I think, at the end of, like, seducers. That they were seducing them into this lifestyle. And so I think that they fell prey to the lifestyle that they thought they were bigger than. Mm -hmm. 
right that they, that they were too good for no absolutely that's yeah. 100% how i how i how i read it as well but so the, th- the, that's the, why the issue that i had though is that it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't like it doesn't present itself as a condemnation at the end of the episode it it it's 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 like the way he portrays it is like a happy ending the way he portrays exactly but that that makes it darker the way he portrays it is like cameron and daphne making out on the boat coming into the white lotus yeah now they're at peace together because why not because they they grew closer or they love each other anymore yeah it's because daphne showed ethan like you can overcome your jealousy by creating your own secrets. Have an outlet for it. Mm. Get back at them, you know, in yeah. your own way. And then keep it going because to keep it going is safer than breaking it up. Mm-hmm. Or it's easier, or it's better. <clears throat> and her, like the shocking moment for her was when she shows up that night and she can see like Harper is you know harper's crying like harper and ethan at the dinner you mean yeah are trying to resolve Mm -hmm. stuff and you'd think daphne would have a little bit like she's shown a little bit of you know insight that when cameron's like oh hey and walks over she's Mm -hmm. like no no but she joins in she's like oh hey hey guys yeah but daphne was also um you know i feel like I feel like that 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 moment on the beach was showing that when um, Ethan is talking to Daphne and says something like, "I think something happened between Cameron and Harper," and I felt like that moment was like a was not Daphne being betrayed by Cameron; it was her being betrayed by Harper, right? Because she thought she had a friend. So by the end of the show, like, yeah, I I don't see that's it's interesting because I took Daphne as much more of a because. But she takes a real long beat during that scene. Oh, she does. See, but I took that as her processing Cameron again. Like that doesn't make sense to me, though, because she's done that a million times. You know what I mean? Like she's she's used to that. She didn't have that moment when she was talking to Harper earlier in the season and she said something to her about it. Yeah, Daphne is is difficult because she both shows as a knowing character. Mm -hmm. She understands more than she's letting on. She understands more than the other characters no mm-hmm. from from the beginning she knows that cameron has the ability to cheat on her right and she knows that she has her own secrets and in the end for her to for her to try to relate to harper mm-hmm. in the way that she did when when harper's like i think something happened and for her response to that to be get your own side piece to get back at him i did my that's my good deed mm-hmm. and then for her to be like why'd she turn on me it's like well you didn't really help her 
You know, you didn't you didn't do anything for her. Sure. You, you you presented like a, a again a duplicitous, yeah, mode of getting back. So for her to then be like heartbroken at Harper, I don't know. See, that doesn't track for me. Or, or then it just comes back to like, well, then who's Daphne? What does she know? What doesn't she know? How how much is she deluding? I don't herself? think she was expecting Harper to sleep with her husband. Do you think they slept? I kind of believed her. Her. Uh, well, yeah. According to, I think Mike Mike White did a uh, interview or something, and he said, "Yeah, all they did was kiss." Exactly. But at the same time, I mean, that's another question where it's like, you if you want to break down the whole logistics of the entire thing, uh, it certainly seems like the plan was f- to do more than kissing. Oh, and, like, 100%. they got interrupted. 100%. You know what I mean? Okay. So it's like, so, yeah, yeah. Is I, that better? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll concede that. I, I, I like that reading too. I think it still fits with the overall theme. If, if she was processing not just Cameron but, but Harper as well, and then I also took it as her giving Ethan an, an avenue for his yeah jealousy mm-hmm. and, and, and his obsessions. Um, but no, man, what a, what a terrible existence. What yeah. an awful, yeah, awful for life. Sure. And I, and I think Mike White knows that. So yeah, at the end, I think that sugary, uh, is supposed to have that bitter undertaste mm-hmm. and then is supposed to make you think about other at the end and go, Ugh. that was same thing with Portia and, uh, Albie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I, but I liked Porsche and Albie just because they're like just two idiots who oh, deserve to be yeah, <laughs> dumb together. <laughs> exactly. And I love that the insight that they have is let's just be dumb. Yeah. Like, yeah, we we're, we're not going to fight it. We're just going to give in. Uh, one thing that I did really like about, I guess, the season as a whole, but specifically the finale, because that's when you sort of find out what you're going to know and what you're not going to know is that the show uh, kind of supported and maybe even encouraged all of this theorizing and which of course gets a, gets out of hand and people start running away with things, you know, kind of like how I felt like with the first season of true detective, mm. but in contrast to True Detective, this show was able to s- kind of satisfy all of those answers while not like, right? Like, like you were talking about earlier, the theory is like, um, uh, Cameron and Daphne don't have any money, mm-hmm. which, you know, I think the signs are there for sure, but that's clearly not part of the story. It wasn't, the point of the story and um but the the way it gets wrapped up is still satisfying right mm-hmm. it's not just some random wacko who lives in a cave or however he ended true detective or whatever um you know they were just there to like i i still think that um the reading is that they were 100 percent invited ethan and harper there just for their it was a sales trip mm-hmm. right essentially um so that's one thing I did really like about the uh, the season. 
going back to a couple more readings from Cameron and Harper and Ethan and all those. The scene where Cameron is flossing. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Did you, how did you read that scene? Was that him just sort of, he's frustrated and he's good at just putting a face on and being happy or? He doesn't want to talk to that kid. Right. Because he knows it's not his kid. He knows it's not his kid. Right. A hundred percent. So another little layer to Cameron. It's the same thing with, with Cameron after he gets punched in the jaw by Mm -hmm. Ethan. And that's what kind of. He, he almost then serenely lays in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it seems to, to to wrap it up from, like, it, like it has resolved itself. Well, it's like he knows. It's like he knows doing what he does that he is in line to get punched in the jaw exactly. occasionally. <laughs> it, 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 well, well, it feels like a man who, who understands I deserve this. Yeah, right. Like, I can fight it, and I can be upset when I get punched and stuff like that. But in the end, like, when it's over, and if I'm the one laid out, yep, that's 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 actually kind of justice. Yeah. And he seems okay with it. That's who I think Cameron is. Okay. Uh, Ethan, do you, there's a post on Reddit talking about blah, blah, blah. Ethan's the worst character on the show. Do you agree or disagree with that? Is Ethan the worst character? Well, he showed jealousy for his wife that Harper didn't show. That was completely manic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ends up cheating on her fully. Um, he did Molly with <laughs> prostitutes, like she said. A lot of gaslighting. Watched his friend have sex. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Honored the bro code. But did one one line that I think got overlooked too is when Harper kind of explains why he's on the trip, and her explanation is you just want to show him that you're better than him. Mm-hmm. You know that's why he agreed to come. He didn't come for Italy. He came because yeah, this guy that he knew in college who stole some of his girls and mm-hmm. had that. What what do you call it? Mimetic, oh yeah, mimetic Mim- desire. Mimetic, mimetic, mimetic like desire. Yeah. He's you being know, big dogged. Yeah, and he and he wants to get some He's of that. Being high hatted, high hat, right? Given the high hat. Yeah. So I mean, if we lay it out like that, I mean, yeah, Cameron. It Cameron is stroking his wife's leg at the dinner table. Cameron is pretty overt with mm-hmm. who he is. Daphne, I think, has justified to herself the way that she is in a way where where Ethan only does at the end. So I I could actually see that. Maybe the only character who's worse could be... Um, who's Michael Imperial? Bert? Or is that... No, that's... Dom. Dom. Mm-hmm. Maybe... Dom is the only one who could be worse. So you're still down on Dom even at the end of this show. Again, I think everybody. Mm-hmm. One one thing that I point to really quick, and then and then we'll go back because I want to know what what you think. So having said that, talked it through, I would say yeah, Ethan could be the worst character. Mm-hmm. But really quickly on Dom, 
there's that scene at the end where the lady walks off the plane and all mm-hmm. three of them turn and look. Mm-hmm. And he ends up paying off um, Lucia mm-hmm. just so that his son will put in a good word for him mm-hmm. to his ex-wife, who seems really like hurt and broken. And his response is like to go to Italy, have sex with some prostitutes, pay off his son, and then go back for a resolution for his wife. Yeah. What a terrible person. Yes, he's a bad guy. Yeah. He might intend to be a good guy, <clears throat> but he has he has shown no growth in this season. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I liked this comment when it came when it came to Ethan. Somebody else on Reddit said. I don't think Ethan's actions are nearly as egregious as a lot of characters in the series. I just think his flaws are the most realistic out of the bunch. So he strikes more of a negative chord with viewers. I think the other thing that can be frustrating about Ethan's character too, and I think we talked about this before, is that he doesn't seem to really have any agency, I guess. He kind of just reacts to everything. He never... You know, he never... Uh, offers to tell the truth to Harper about what happened. You know what I mean? It's always just, he just stays silent until somebody else asks him a question or and asks him to do something. Yeah. I said yeah. sorry. And so that can be, that's very frustrating. And, and we are given the most insight into his mind, which isn't fair. Mm-hmm. He's the only character that we get to see imagining you know, his Mm -hmm. spouse having the affair, you know, Harper probably did the same thing. Yeah, for sure. We didn't see it. So we don't associate that with her, but with him, you're you're just kind of like, yeah, I do still think that Ethan and Harper were supposed to be kind of the, um, I guess, representations of the audience, just the, the two like sort of most relatable characters, I guess. I think by the end, they are bad people. In a bad relationship. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I think at the end, everybody is bad. Except for probably Albie. He's just I dumb. think Albie is too. Again, he looks at the he looks at the lady the same way that his dad and... and yeah, okay, you can't get on... You, you're not allowed to look at a beautiful woman? No, no, but what it's saying there is... Again, what did we say last episode, right? Generational curse. They're dealing with their... They go to visit their family it's only women there these are men who struggle with fidelity to their wives sure everybody has done it albie seems to be putting up the best defense but his feels kind of you know a lot of heart Mm -hmm. but he's maybe shooting at the wrong basket and uh and that look again the way it's filmed makes me feel like Yep, Albie, you're you're part of the lineage, buddy. You can fight it, but you are part of it. Sure, but I don't see that as a yeah. I guess I'm not as nihilistic on the end as you are. <laughs> I don't see that as like an outright condemnation of Albie's character. I I don't know. That it's a condemnation, but I think it's showing him. Sure, in but the, in the light of so what that doesn't make him a bad person. I'm not saying a bad person, but I'm saying in in terms of his relationships, I think it shows that he's not in a place that he might think that he's in a place higher than his father Mm -hmm. or his grandfather, 
But what I took the ending to to say is, yeah, you're not. You're more naive. You, your your heart is in sure. the right place, but you're 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 subject to the same flaws as them, and you haven't addressed a core issue. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You've you've actually refused because, again, you got played. Like we can we can cheer for Lucia, but she completely played him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, he's a he's a he's just dumb. He's a dumb he's an idiot loser. Uh any do you have anything else to say about Bert and Dom? I literally do, I have no notes for them. I just I mean, you know, Bert has the has the saddest, right? Where he he kind of has that revelation that the he views women as a as a as a welcoming presence in his life, as a mm-hmm. respite that however he viewed his wife, he clearly viewed her as somebody who <clears throat> could help him forget all the, all his regrets. Mm-hmm. And now he doesn't have that in his life. And what a sad life to feel like, yeah, your relationship is a, is a narrative that you tell yourself and who knows what the reality is, man. Maybe if you actually dig in, you realize she wasn't as faithful to you, you know? Mm -hmm. And you think, oh, they're just little meaningless step outs and little. Mm -hmm. And no one knew, right? That's the big thing, right? And um, Dominic tells him, he's like, dad, everyone knew. Right. So what a miserable thing to contemplate in the last years of your life where you don't have the promise of someone new coming into your life to correct those things or give you that feeling again, you squandered it. Dominic has his explanations that he is, he is stuck being this way. Mm -hmm. He's an addict, right? Um, And you would agree that by the end, he hasn't addressed any real issues. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's true just by default. I, I just don't think we w- I don't think we've gotten enough time with that character to to say either way. Y- you know what I mean? Like just string together all the things he said to his son. <laughs> what a what a twisted relationship. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So um yeah, I agree. Uh, Albie and Lucia. So, Albie gets scammed, obviously, Mm -hmm. of course. Everybody saw that coming. The one thing I didn't see coming, which maybe I'm dumb, uh, and maybe this is, you know, what is part of what makes Mike White such a great writer, is, you know, we were talking about in the last episode how... Is he going to handle it? Is it going to be like an incel thing? Is it going to be da 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 da? You know what I mean? And he kind of just doesn't react at all. <laughs> yeah, know, which I thought was great. He's just like, yeah, I got, I got played. I'm moving on with my life. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't mean that there's no grand meaning to it. It just happened, and it's that's just what it is. And we're yeah. so rich that I can shit away fifty thousand dollars, and it means on. absolutely nothing. Hmm. Um. So I I really like that. 
I like that it didn't sort of get messy and there wasn't any sort of uh, larger message to it. I like that it's just a sadder, depressing ending. Yeah, these two kids who feel like they should just settle for each other. Yeah. Um, And I think it was shown that the guy, Alicio, was in on it. Oh, yeah. Because at the end, they're walking away, and they uh, stop and give him a hug or a kiss or something. And then Mia, I do like that Mia told Valentina that she needs to find a real lesbian. Right. That's that's also something I want to talk about, because there was a post about how Valentina is the first... uh, I guess it's just a meme. Congrats to the first lesbian on TV to have a happy ending. And it didn't seem to me like she got a happy ending. Like, again, I guess it goes back to the same thing with um, Ethan and Harper, where it's it's very obviously not a happy ending, but it's presented in a happy way. You know that, what I mean? That, see, that's what I think Mike White is doing here. Yeah, I guess he's, so. He's presenting these things as like in a in a cliched romantic comedy. You've gotten to the end. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. it, it all worked. Yeah, someone died, but it all worked out. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it didn't work out. You know, um, yeah. If you if you think about Valentina's awakening of her sexuality. To me, it's actually like a sad story. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I, I don't see her at the end being empowered. I see her fighting for Mia, but then at the end, right, she gives her a look too. And Mia's like, thank you, right? And she gives her a look of like, not like, yay, I did it. Right. But like, de- defeat. Like, because mm-hmm. she feels committed, right? Right. She, it, she was, she thought it was something more, right? And she's, being played just like how Albie was played. Yeah, and and again, I feel like I, I do like the fact that Mia's like, you need to find your own relationship. But yeah, now Valentina has, yeah, she has to find her own relationship. And this is a lady who like, look how she treated her underling. Yeah. And misread the fact that she has a fiance. I don't know that she's in the right, place to facilitate a healthy relationship that's out of the closet you know yeah uh okay tanya just want to say first i loved pretty much everything on the boat Mm -hmm. i loved everything from the Mm. way it was shot Mm -hmm. i loved the jokes on the boat i love how she like when she's trying to walk by them and act normal. Yes. And then run up. I love when she's trying to talk to the captain. Mm-hmm. She's like, the gays are trying to kill me. And he's mm-hmm. just like, I'm gay. <laughs> there was one thing on the boat I very much did not like. And it was the that first conversation between Tanya and Portia. Where they're, uh, Portia calls Tanya from Jack's phone. And they are very directly spelling out exactly what's happening to each other. And it just seemed so like on the nose. It was, it felt really out of place. And thinking back on it, it almost 
feels like it was something they added in after the fact because somebody was like, hey, you need to explain to people what's going on here. You can't just have, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it felt to me like it, initially that the confrontation, the conversation between Tanya and the captain was supposed to be that. Right. But they're like, no, that's not, we need a, something more. Con-. It just felt really strange to me. I don't know. I, I didn't like that, but overall I agree. I, I thought it was great. It, I, I definitely, I remember thinking, I was like, how are they going to get in this brief conversation? How are they going to get across the information that they need to get across? Mm-hmm. I think why I ended up for what made me forgive it, it's clunkiness, was it did give Portia the information that Jack, right? Mm-hmm. Jack was having sex with mm-hmm. you know, his uncle and she got to confront him. Um, yeah, but she still she already kind of knew that, right? Because Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 I love her line reading. Yeah. She's like, do you fuck your uncle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's how um, Tanya says it on the phone, right? Yeah. He, S- something like that. I don't yeah. know if she comes right out and says, says but yeah. it. But, but she says it in a way that I thought was very funny. Yeah, for um, sure. Let, let me ask you a question. Do you think Portia was completely idiotic in the way that she handled her situation? You know, there was a lot of debate about that on the um, subreddit, it didn't strike me in any sort of way. I mean, I, I, you mean in terms of like, why is she staying around? Why doesn't she just leave? Yeah. It it didn't strike me anyway. I I just kind of felt like if I was young in a place like that, I think I would also kind of like, what can you do? Exactly. You're in a foreign country. You have no money of your own. Like, yeah. What are you, what do you expect somebody to do? Like, you're just going to accept that this person is going to murder you well i guess that's another question i don't i never got the impression that jack was going was supposed to murder i I, my the feeling i always got right yeah Yeah. but the feeling i always got was just that he was just supposed to keep her away My, my the theory that i was going off of was she was the collateral if anything happened and tanya got away anything like that mm-hmm. that they would then use Porsche as leverage yeah um but it makes sense to kill her yeah. I, I I wouldn't like again it didn't strike me that way but there there were those things that Jack said where he's like you know sometimes you do things that you really don't want to do see I took that as him having sex with his uncle. Well, yeah, yeah, I did that too. But but again, I think he was speaking to something else. Yeah, I guess. I and mean, then the, the way that he drops her off at the airport does feel like he's ad-libbing a little there. Where he's like, just go, don't look back. Like, yeah. I mean, I guess if your reading of it is that he's going to murder her, then yeah, I probably would have some issue with you, you would behave differently in that situation. But the way I took it was just that, yeah, he was just kind of uh supposed to keep her away and i thought you know in that sense i thought they did a really great job of of sort of walking this line of being like believably uncomfortable without pushing it over the edge of being so obvious like you need to get out of this situation as Mm -hmm. fast as you can where do you think jack ends up Oh yeah, because all the 
all of his people are dead. I don't know. I guess he probably just goes back to Essex or whatever, wherever he was from. He has the credit cards, right? Yeah, that's true. He probably just so parties for a week or something and then goes home when he realizes back. everybody's dead or whatever. I wonder what hole he's in or out of. Yeah. Uh, was, sorry. The I was going to say about Tanya's death. Yeah. Uh, I did put my foot down before the episode, and I because the feel the feeling that I had was that there was no way Tanya could die, and I think after watching the episode, the feeling that I had was there was no way that that someone else would kill Tanya. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it just didn't seem like that was she would be sort of at the mercy of somebody else. I guess it just that just didn't feel right to me. So, yeah, I thought the way that um, she died was perfect. Yeah. yeah. I thought the way that she came out shooting from that room. Oh, per- absolutely perfect. Great. So funny. Yeah, it was great. The, uh, the whole thing was really great. And and I think Mike White knows how to shoot. Again, it's one of those things that I, I, wa- I wonder how aware he is of stuff like this. But, like, so many things are framed in a way to be memeable yeah like i don't know do you think filmmakers think about that now like in the way that they're yeah, framing probably. stuff and in, in, in presenting here do you think it's all like happy accidents but like just the way that you don't see what she's shooting like did you yeah. see all the people posting about like i saw all the danny devote danny devito memes right the meme where it's him saying so anyways i just started blasting oh, yes <laughs> i saw all this that's good there's stuff where we were like me after like one joint right call of duty yeah or, you know yeah when my boyfriend hands me the controller um but then like her saying like the gays are trying to kill me like just such yes a great yeah like yep there it is snapshot now it's just memed into oblivion mm-hmm. which i think <clears throat> i don't know this for sure I feel that's part of the success of season one. Season one had so many like gifts mm-hmm. and things I saw. Mm-hmm. I, like it just translated so well into social media. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why it's so successful because mm-hmm. the show is just built to be very like social media friendly. Yeah. In a way that other shows aren't like succession has some great lines and stuff like that, but it doesn't, it doesn't have the same, feel when mm-hmm. you like see it posted in social media yeah the way those is always like oh that looks fun mm-hmm. it's like a fun show you know well yeah but it also is a fun show where succession is very much a serious not fun show <laughs> right i guess i've only seen the finale of season one so yes. i wouldn't know <laughs> um one thing i did want to point out is that is his name Tom Hollander? Yeah. When it cuts to Tom Hollander after he's been shot, yeah. he has CGI, a CGI gunshot wound and oh, CGI blood. I didn't see it. It's very clearly computer animated. Just one. One bullet hole. One bullet hole, one patch of blood. There's no way it is more practical to do that than to just 
the day on the Give set squirt some ketchup on him. You know what I mean? And it looks bad. Oh, I, I need to go back and... I, I just don't get it. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, it, it has to be like everybody says, like, I haven't seen the new Avatar movie, but everyone says, like, that film just was completed, like, a week before it released. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, the word is, like, same thing with, like, Severance, I think, too, was, like, right up until the gun, they're still, mm-hmm. like, finalizing stuff. So yeah, maybe it's just one of those things where it's like, we this has to go. It's not ready. Just CG the bullet hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. But I didn't see it. So. Uh, the last thing I have, I still think. Well, and I guess there was some conversation about this on the subreddit too. I still think it is strange that Greg leaves in episode two. And he's never seen, seen or heard there. from again. Does he get the money? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Right? They're married. So I yeah. guess that's how it works, right? I was trying to think, how does he not get the money? Yeah. Portia? I, Portia is just the assistant. Why would she get any money? Does she get, No, no, no. I'm saying she, she kind of knows the plot. Oh. I don't think she has any idea that Greg was involved, potentially. She yeah. just knew that something wasn't right. Yeah. It's just it's so weird that he's not in the show after the second episode. Yeah. Just at all. Yeah. He's, like, in the picture, and that's it. So very strange. It, it is strange, because he also was in a lot of the early episodes. Right. Like he w- When he was there, he was there. And then when he's gone... I thought he would show up. Like, I thought he would show up on the boat. Like, something. Yeah, he's somewhere around there. At Even least. confirmation that him and Quentin were in on something together. I would have loved, like, a random shot hits him. Like, he's been hiding. <laughs> it's just like a in a closet. Yeah. And in her wild spray, he's like, ugh. <laughs> that would have been great. Um, yeah, I think that was the only thing I had. Last thing I had. Would you, like, oh, I do have a couple more things, mm. speculatively, but anyways. Yeah, go. Uh, well, just, there's a lot of talk. Oh, so th- the one thing on the subreddit is that people were saying that somehow the Greg and Quentin connection was disproven by the finale. No, Quentin doubled down on it. Quentin made it. Explicit mm-hmm. when Tanya talked to asked him about it. Yeah. Um, so speculatively, season three, it's already been renewed for season three. Do you want any of these characters to come back for season three? So we could have one of the guys that jumped over the side and the captain. They potentially are still alive. I'm and talking about have, anybody. Yeah, exactly. So I'm trying to think Ethan, of who's the whole cast. The the the, the, the Grasso's Porsche. No, I, I you know what I want to see. Like the the other thing too is like I really do like all the characters, mm-hmm. and I think there's a lot more to say about some of them. You know, Dom. Mm-hmm. How much of a piece of shit is he going to be? Is he going to be as big a one as I I imagine? Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, or like doing tangentially, like, I don't think he's going to do this, but you know, you could see some writer writing where it's like, all right, well the next year, the women DeGrasso's like Mm. go and leave the men. And now we get to see them, you know, right. And, and we hear about them through the women. Um, no, I think that he's gonna, I think he's going to go full fresh character, fresh set. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, I mean, yeah, that's what I hope. That's more or less what the first and second seasons were. I mean, Jennifer Coolidge's character, uh, Tanya, was in both, obviously. With Greg and Jack are back. Greg, I feel like Greg does have to be back just because... Like I said, there's no resolution to that. Like, there's not even like a uh, make your own interpretation of it. Jack, I do not ever want to see again. <laughs> That's the one character that I would be upset if if he came back. But I, I, yeah, I don't want anybody to come back. I want exactly. it to be a, a fresh season. I think, like you said, I think there is plenty of stuff to to still explore. But one, but what I like the most about this season is that he does such a good job of like exploring everything up, up until the point of like um, giving you sort of any sort of hard interpretations or answers, which could probably be frustrating, but I think it does a really good job of like, you know, creating conversation like this or, you know, allowing you to interpret it and sort of read, read from it what you want. Um, and I think bringing those people into a third season would just kind of be going down a path that is just not needed. I don't need to know anything more about these characters. I think this is a good chance for him to, you know, like if in my dream scenario, I would love to see him just like bring in some really good writers and then write like, of like characters of a whole different um, culture, you know? Mm-hmm. Where like Mike White is no longer the primary writer, but you get some really good writers of a culture to write about their culture, you know, and really blow it open, like really widen the scope. Because part of me would also feel a little bummed if it's just another mainly white cast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Like from season one to two, I, I, I would like to see more diversity there, diversity of the stories and perspectives. And I don't know that Mike White would be the one that would be best to tell those stories, but I think that there's a lot to say. Yeah. He did say, um, season one was about money, right? Yeah. Season two was about sex. Right. And I think he said he wants to make season three about death. Rock and roll. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have a I have a bet I want to make with you. Okay. And I think you'd agree. Like thousand to one odds. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what the what the relationship would be and like what we could what we could bet. Um we'll have to think of something, but I want something equivalent to a thousand to one odds. Okay. Oh, so you don't actually have the bet. You just want to propose that at some point we have a bet about no, something. I have a bet. Okay. And I think the I think the appropriate odds for this 
is thousand to one. All right. I think you'd take me up on it. But again, I don't want a thousand. I do want a thousand dollars from you, but I won't. I won't hold you to that. Instead, right. I would say like we we find an equivalent. You know what I mean? Okay. Um. Jack Black shows up in, in season three. Hmm. I'm going to say yes. Just because they've worked together in the past? Because they've worked together in the, in the past. He, he loves the cameos with the um, survivor people, mm-hmm. and he won't be able to resist himself, and there's going to be a little... Little Jack Black role. It's it's the show's big enough <clears throat> and they have worked together and he's gonna mm-hmm. he's gonna find a little role for him. Um yeah, I'll take you up on that bet. I don't think it'll be exactly any. okay. All right, and so we'll we'll figure out the terms later. You're wrong. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought you would take me up on that. <laughs> do you have do you have any crazy like prediction that, that I might disagree with that you uh that you could throw out there? Like I for I for next also, season, I don't think so. I mean, one that I don't think is as crazy. I, I think I kinda talked myself into it that I feel like there would be a writer's room in season three. Because Mike White wrote and directed all of season two. Right. Right. I, I would I would feel fairly confident saying that he would he bring in some other voices, especially if he's resetting the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. does the next season take place outside of America, the United States, outside of the continental? I mean, we've never been inside the, yes. the continental United States. I mean, that, that's where honestly, like, I would love to see. I mean, um. I love the parasite. Like Mm -hmm. I love the social commentary of and seeing like South Korea through the lens of somebody who is looking hard at their society, you Mm -hmm. know, seeing the parallels and I, I love that stuff. So, I mean, yeah, I would love to see like uh, white lows Japan, Mm -hmm. but again, I don't think I'd want Mike white as the writer of that. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I I do think or like I could see him writing like White Lotus South Africa. Mm-hmm. And like ooh. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um someone would get eaten by a shark <laughs> in in that season. I'd I'd make a bet on that. Um well, one thing the last thing I'll say, what did you make of there's a lot of um scenes of waves crashing into rocks <laughs> <laughs> i felt like by the end of the season it's kind of like we we get it you can chill on this oh, a little no. bit <laughs> oh these are in slow motion okay yeah, yeah. it's like something is something's about to happen here's some more waves crashing into rocks or some you know unsteady waters yeah i mean again i think it's all about like it all looked beautiful though and that's the sure yeah, yeah that's overall cool. i thought it was you know great the direction was great, yeah. but that was one thing that by the end of the season, it was kind of like, okay, I get it. We've seen this a lot. Um, have you, did, did I make you see 
uh, a movie called Picnic at Hanging Rock. Isn't that a uh, Hen- Hen- Michael Hen- Heineke? No, it's Peter Weir. Peter Weir. No. Okay. Is it Australian? It is. Yeah, I've heard of it. And it has a very, like, White Lotus, especially the kind of Daphne taking Ethan scene. Like, I I love the way that White Lotus hints towards these deeper, like, meanings or realities. Whether in this season it's Bert talking about, like, Greek mythology and the opening song and mm-hmm. tapestry like it just creates this feeling of like i'm not just watching rich people and i'm watching a deeper mm-hmm. story um yeah i would love to just see like a purely like something between like what i've wanted what i've told you i've wanted where it's like the season end with the volcano blowing up and everyone dying or mm-hmm. A big tsunami wave wiping out everyone in in Hawaii. Um, something between that and something between like the quiet mystery of picnic and hanging around. I want there to be like, I want I want there to be like a supernatural mm-hmm. element in in one of these seasons where like someone just disappears. It's like there is no explanation. Mm-hmm. They got. Too close to that weird hole in the back of <laughs> the White Lotus that no one talks about. And they, we don't know if they fell, but yeah. we can't find they them. They ain't here no more. They ain't here no more. Like, man, just tip, tip. Because we're already. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah. Got out the hole. Bye bye.